The Iron Horse has been hanging tight. Sharpie, yeah. how are you doing this morning, bud? Good to see good. you. Good. How are you boys doing? We're good. We're uh, off and running. Uh, good day yesterday for Nebraska baseball. We've been chopping up a lot of football this morning with the uh, the old uh, fan duel uh, win-loss numbers or the uh, the over-unders. Hey, how about, how about Nebraska and USC are in the same category in win totals yes. for 2024? Uh, isn't that cool? What bizarro world do we live in? <laughs> well, one Has coach is beat USC ever. Yeah, have they? I think they Let's... tied them. The Coliseum back in seventy-one. Yeah, seventy. The, year, the first championship they tied USC on the road, dating back to nineteen seventy-seven. Nebraska has a five and three record against USC. Really? I didn't realize. No. Mm, that's not right. Oh, wait, sorry. Since 69? Is that right? Since 69, well, I'm up here right. So, so 70, so Schmitty's right. So, 1970, they tied 21 21. I think they, did they yeah, beat them in 69? No, no. They, uh, they got beat. So, did Nebraska play OJ? They've never, they've never beaten USC. Really? Nebraska play OJ ever? Oh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. I've, I've pulled up the correct stat here. USC. In the modern era, is four zero and one against Nebraska. That comes from the USC website, so I can trust this mm. one. <laughs> Got, it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. No, they remember that back to back, the home and home and home in 06, 07, and then the bowl game. Right. They got beaten the Holiday Bowl shootout, forty five, forty two. But how how that 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 atmosphere was nuts. It's game day. It was Nebraska. Are you back in 06? Oh, uh, that, that's that's almost freaking twenty years ago, Sharpie. Uh, I figured out my problem. Nebraska five and three, <laughs> five and three in men's basketball against USC. Uh, oh jeez, come on, Harold come Miner, on. come on! I know. Down. I was just gonna say, like, come on. What are we oh, doing? God. Uh, oh, God. Uh, the, you know what? So the one game, the 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 one game that you remember. Well, there are a couple in there. The bowl game, of course, or the bowl game because. Um, Mike Riley sitting in the stands, and it's Barney Cotton and Tim Becker just doing whatever they want to do offensively. Uh, but the 06 game was let's get in and let's get out. Uh, you had a ton of Nebraska fans out in L.A., uh, and Bill Callahan wanted none of that, didn't want to get slaughtered. And then 07, uh, <laughs> what I remember the most is USC hadn't started school yet, so they, had, they came and hung out like in Omaha for a couple of days. Remember they're practicing – God, where did they practice that it got out to the media? And all of a sudden, there were these swarm of fans. Because were they at Westside or no? My so one of those one of those schools that was large enough to accommodate a college football team. Um, and I remember like the the story became oh they got out that hey they're practicing here and all these fans started to show up, uh, media started to show up, but they were like a celebrity team. I mean that was a run of USC had like some recognizable guys, but. You had, you had Will, Will Ferrell and Snoop Dogg. I think they were they. Oh. They were at Memorial Stadium, weren't they? Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was quite the scene. I'm. I'm glad they're back to, to to playing each other. No, it's speaking it's of 07, I want to bring a visual aid into the mix here. <laughs> oh, Stanley Havili, uh, the fullback. So we are showing. Uh, if if you're just listening here, we are showing an infamous picture uh, <laughs> in 2007 <laughs> in Lincoln. Oh, those were the best seats I ever had for a game. By the way, I was like thirty yard line, row twelve, just like let's go. This is oh, these, this amazing. isn't the uh, picture taken of uh, your seat. No, this is oh, not. Okay. This is right. this is a picture of Nebraska just being very gracious hosts as they <laughs> want to do. First, first and three saying, plays of the drive, Cranach and Sharp. This hole uh-huh. were fullback hole. fullback vibes. Listen, this is. Fellas, this is in the red zone, right? Oh, this yeah. is like this ball was snapped probably at the seven or something like that. And the hole is probably, I'm not exaggerating. That's it's probably what seven yards wide. Would you yeah. say that's accurate? Like seven yards yeah. wide. Yeah, that, that was a that, that was a beating that night. Oh. John David Booty. Ah, that was going to be the trivia question. Who is quarterback number 10? It is John oh, David Booty. His backup that year was Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez. 
All yeah. right. Well, so you want to play? You want to play? You want to have a little fun here? Guess the, <laughs> guess the spread on November sixteenth at the Coliseum. Eight and a half, as of right now. I, and I haven't seen I haven't seen one of those early lines come out, but that'll be oh. you know that'll be a game of significance on November sixteenth mm-hmm. at the Coliseum. Well, they upgraded that defensive coordinator at USC. The question is whether or not the practice habits will allow them to yield the benefits of that. Because that's is been the whole thing with Lincoln or not. Yeah, it's been the whole thing with Lincoln Riley's entire tenure. Is they've just they're they're an outscoria. They're the running rebs of <laughs> of of football, right? Like they don't. I, I mean, I don't expect them to actually take advantage of that because it's going to mean that they have to sort of compensate yeah. for how they like to practice offense. And their offense is deadly. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows that. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to actually turn around into. Do you think that's possible, Gary, with just how Lincoln Riley rolls? Nope. Nope. There, do you think there, it's possible that they will have a stalwart defense? Nope. Nope. I don't think they can have a stalwart defense the way they play offense. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's. Or, they or are, practice they, it. They are. Yeah. It. For well, for practicing, and then it comes over to games. I just think they're incapable of having the kind of defense that can win a championship at USC. Now, it may change. I mean, they were always tackling for the turnover. And they were just terrible in form tackling, but you have a you have a coach who is so hell bent on building up the greatest offense in the history of college football. I just uh, you can have you can have a a competent defense, but not to win a championship. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, they, quickly here, they're, they're they're a problem. Out of context, the Hale Varsity Radio Saturday morning stream chat I present to you. <laughs> Out of context. <laughs> well, wow! Uh, I, I believe somebody in the chat, Tiger Shark Diver, said that Lizzo could fit through that hole. And Schmidty's got an added context. I thought it was fun to have it out of context, but you got you to do it, Gary. Well, what's or could or could the great line from uh, Terrell Farley after he blocked the uh, punt at Kansas State <laughs> back in the nineties? Mm-hmm. And he's up at uh, it's Tuesday in Lincoln. He's at Media Day. Somebody asked him about it. And he says, that hole was so wide, two fat women could have fit through it. The whole, the whole interview room is dying laughing. <laughs> you should have seen the Nebraska Sports Information staff. Their face goes white. <laughs> so he got done because they didn't put him up front very often. Mm-hmm. So he got done. And like 10 minutes later, he had to come up and apologize. And he goes, I apologize to all the fat women out there. <laughs> Good for Farley. Suffice it to, say, I suffice it to say, he was a requested guy on Tuesdays, never came back in his football career. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. did not hear a lot from the guy. You really didn't. That's funny that you bring that up. Sharpie, a yeah. lot that, going on with – uh, As with Charles per- Barkley would say, I apologize to all the women of San Antonio. Antonio, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, them Jeez. churros <laughs> love them churros uh so i i'm interested here we we kind of laid out a, a lot of you know nine nine wins or six wins and you know cradak and i and gary were all of that same era where you kind of just started with nine for nebraska death taxes nine wins well it's been a long time since uh, you rock and rolled that way what what are some things you feel good about if you're a Nebraska fan for for Dylan Raiola to be quarterback one? Obviously, you got the skill set and the talent, but but just from everything that that needs to come together, right, for this opportunity to be a reality. Uh, I think it's you got an old team. I mean, Nebraska yeah. on one side of the ball is an older team that doesn't need a lot of like teaching they need refining on defense and to make sure that they have a lot left in the tank when they hit the month of November no I I think you know like this upcoming year and I know why Nebraska's win total is seven and a half and it's tough because it has been it's been a while since Nebraska's gone over their win total and a lot of it has to do with the schedule you know if you go by Bill Connolly's SP SP plus Rutgers is the most difficult team in the first stretch of Nebraska's schedule and it's set the schedule the schedule sets up for a quarterback that is playing for the first time in college because you're not going to get snowed under early where you lose your confidence. And I mean, let's be honest, we don't expect Dylan to, to lose much of, of confidence, but it's a, it's a schedule where you can build some confidence 
before it gets real at the end of October. And I mean real, real. I'm not overlooking. I think Rutgers will be a, a, a challenge. You know, Colorado will be what Colorado is. Um, but there's a lot of things that set up where, yeah, Nebraska can hit that win total. But, guys, I, I said this on my show yesterday, and, and, and I'm glad you brought it up, Schmidt, of the 9-3. and three. And I, I think we became really smart because we didn't just say, oh, nine wins. We wanted to know how those nine wins were created. In the new Big Ten, where right now the upper tier is pretty well solidified for now, and then there's a lot of teams that are battling for that middle part, and then I think we can see who's at the bottom tier. Will the new nine and three be eight and four in the new Big Ten? And you'd be okay with it? I think you're going to. Because you're playing you're, nine conference games? Yeah, here's, here's what I believe. I believe, I mean, it's going to go. We're, we're trending towards an AFC, NFC, aren't we? 32, 40 some teams. Yes, yes. Two divisions. And it is not going to be an undefeated thing anymore. It is going to be, do you make the playoffs? And can you sneak into the playoffs? Do you, do you thunder in at 12 and four? I mean, d- that type of, I think you're, I think nine and three is your pole position to be one of the 12. Honestly. I mean, I think that, that, I think mm. nine, I think nine mm. and a wow road win. I sound like an NCAA tournament guy here. Sorry, but <laughs> I, I think a, a wow win or two, right? Because everyone's going to have killer schedules. I mean, they're going to be helmet games everywhere between the SEC and the, the Big Ten. Do you end up at nine or ten, nine wins, ten wins to get playoff worthy? And when, when are those slated? Is the Big Ten going to – you're talking to Barnett about that this week. You play some of those big games early if you're the Big Ten because yeah. you can survive a loss early, and then you, you make interesting games late in the year, but you can't have that death march in November where it's just stacked upon stacked upon stacked with your schedule where you're taking USC, Oregon, and Penn State consecutively. It's no fun. That'd be great, but it's not doable. It's not going to get you the playoff. So I think to your, your question about eight wins, I think your, uh, your expectation, I think it's going to be more acceptable. It's going to be weird to see. But if you're playing good football and, and your schedule is so loaded that, yeah, eight and five with that schedule, I think you can kind of shake your head forward at it. That's how I look at it. Hmm. I, I wonder, Smitty, if you're arguing about – I still think, based on the current setup, that – that undefeated is not some unattainable goal. I think it'll become a little bit more rare. You're not going to have four teams going into the last week of the regular season that are undefeated. But I don't think until you go a, a full 12-game conference slate are you going to start getting the rarity of, of undefeated teams in college football, if you follow what I'm saying. I still think that that's going to be happening, and I don't think nine is going to get you. I think 10 is going to be that no. benchmark in the You're Big gonna... Ten to, to get you. If you get to 10 wins in the Big Ten – that's, I think, the benchmark where it's like, all right, they got a pretty good argument for, for making it into the college football playoff. But unless you go a full 12-game conference slate, I don't think that you're going to lose teams that are going 12-0 and in their regular season in college football. Guys, they got to hammer out what the 12 are. Is it your oh, conference yeah. champions? Yes. But does that mean you get Mountain West or Pac-2 in there? Does it mean you get nah, – you lump all them together for some at-larges. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, or do you take? Do you want an at-large AAC champion in instead of your your fourth Big Ten team, or your or your or your fourth? No, SEC I, I, team? I like I like their idea of five plus seven. Yeah, yeah. I will tell you one thing about the playoff that I'm really surprised doesn't get mentioned. I love that we're going to have on-campus games in the first yeah. round, but aren't we screwing over the one versus the one through four seed? They fight to be the best teams in college football. And they're going to play a neutral site game against a team that had played the week before. Why can't they play at home? They earn that right. Because mm. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta slot the, your your bowl partners. I mean, I you get gotta, that. you gotta I use get the tights. I, I I understand that, but no one ever. I don't ever hear that brought up. Like, hey, man, we're the number one seed. We were the best team in college football. You don't think we'd like to play at home? Yeah, let let, so, let the let the local economy get a monster. Well, bump. you play for home. <laughs> you play for home field advantage. Sure. So, hey, so Gary, when you say five plus seven, you're talking about five conference champions plus seven at large. Is that yeah. that's what you're saying? So, with the Pac-12 falling apart, I know I know you have SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve. Big 12. 
Who's the fifth? No, no, <laughs> now the Pac-12 the fifth gone. would be the best conference champion at a group of five. Okay. Which Not is probably from the American. Yeah. But, but are people clamoring to – is ESPN clamoring to pay, what, $110 million for Liberty and Oregon? Hmm. Which would, would have been, what, a 5 versus 12 matchup this year or something along those lines? Occasionally, you get your Tulane USC Sugar Bowl, where you're like, "How the hell did that happen?" But then you also have the Liberty Oregon game, where I'm in Arizona and have tickets and didn't even show up to the game (laughs) because you can't sell them; (laughs) you just eat them for twelve bucks. I mean, this is this is a serious conversation because you know, I mean, ESPN it's announced that they have reportedly a deal, but then it's announced yesterday that hey, if they don't get their stuff right, ESPN's not going to hang around you know, of what the format's going to look like. So they have a couple of years to figure it out. But I think I like the five versus seven. But don't kid yourself. It's the Big Ten and the SEC. They got the most money. They got the most influence. They're going to have the most teams in the playoff. And they should. And if if you look at that on a year-to-year basis, uh, on average, say say let's let's project out this 12-team playoff over 10 years, SEC between – Georgia, Bama, and LSU. It feels like at least two of those three are getting in every year, probably. It's going to be three per big dog. Yeah, right. Big Ten, you're, you're, you're probably looking at Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Right? So that's, there's like six of your 12 right there. Um, and then outside of that, you know. And, and we talked yeah, about this with – got to be 10 and 2. I wish we saw Vogel. We talked about this with Vogel a couple weeks ago where he did the math and went through it. And essentially, as he kind of said earlier in the show – the college football playoff, the, the top four was pretty much just the BCS top four every single year. And if you looked at the BCS models for the top 12 every single year, I think the number in the playoff era of Big Ten teams finishing top 12 was something like 3.7. So in an average year, you're talking between three and four. Like that's what the Big Ten can expect every single year, three to four teams to make it into a 12-team playoff, which seems about right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Big Big Twelve's gonna gonna struggle over time. I think we know that. ACC's still gonna be a player with some of the brands that they have right now. Um, Until they leave. Yeah, yeah, it'll be three to four from yeah. the Big Two. Yeah, that's see, that's a transition, and you know, we're not even talking about Notre Dame. Is mm-hmm. what happens when the ACC headliners leave? I mean, does it make the SEC and the Big Ten stronger? So. It essentially comes down to the SEC and the Big Ten are having their own playoff every year. Mm-hmm. Well, I, mm-hmm. I think you can probably reserve seven spots for the Big Ten and the SEC in the 12-team playoff. That sounds like a, a, a healthy number to me. I agree. I think if you can get to 9-3 and three in the Big Ten, you could, you could be in the discussion about being in the playoff. Hmm. Do you worry about relegation with this super field of 40? Uh, in, I, well, you're still in the Big Ten, but your football program has been garbage, so we are going to – we are going to slot the the top twenty in your own league. Uh, I, I I like the idea of that. But I think <laughs> I think what it becomes is: Do you want to play big boy football? Do you have can the resources you, to play you big play? boy football? Do you want to play big boy football? And if you don't, you can still play football. But we're going to have a different level where it's com- everybody is kind of on the same page because they have two hundred million in revenue. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. You can't yeah. get to 200 million in revenue, but we still want to play college football. Well, yeah, we've got this division over here for you. I know these are these are probably 10, 15 years down the road. But before we're going to send you to the CFL yeah. of college yeah. football. <laughs> I mean, before you know it's going to be here. That's the thing. Like off the field, man, you get a headache. On the field, it's still the same great sport. Yeah. So they have yeah. to figure out how to figure out the off field stuff so that we can get back to focusing on the field because the on-field stuff is fantastic. I tell it's you getting what, better. Pr- promotion yeah. and relegation would make the on-field product just incredible because imagine how crazy the transfer <laughs> portal would be in the era of relegation <laughs> and promotion. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, I think, I think it would be scary because I think there would be some schools that would just say, "Now nah, I'm good playing football. It costs too much money. Yeah. We, don't, we don't have yeah. a chance. You know what? We'll focus on something else. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of focusing on something else, Gary? No, I don't yesterday? think Jennifer Sanders should be on the cover of College Football 25. Oh, my God. Is he going? I'm not buying it if he is. I'm not buying it. If I do, you should be able to change the cover art, right? <laughs> you should be able to do that. Like, that's. I, 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 missed, 
I missed that. Who should be? Who shouldn't be on the cover? So I was trying to figure. Players. I was trying to figure out who they're going to put on the cover. Now you yeah. know, like Nick Saban seems to be one of those. But is Nick Saban going to sell to the, the the young kids that look at that and go, "Oh, there's an old man on my video game." Eh. <laughs> so, but but think about who would be the most recognizable college football player. That's why I bring up Shadur Sanders. I think I think a lot of people know what he looks like without a helmet mm-hmm. on and with a helmet on. They have to put somebody on the cover that's going to sell they, more I think games. Could, I would say the picture of him. It's an arms race between Prime and, and his own kid, Shadur. Shadur hit, hitting, the, hitting the watch pose on the cover of NCAA football would it's be kind of iconic. I, I can't lie. That might be the pick. Oh, if God. I'm a decision maker with, with the new – college football game i'm looking at that that watch him pointing at the watch and i'm going that's going to sell some copies <laughs> listen by the way i recently got a ps5 and the only game i have right now is mlb the show and we can go deep into how on road to the show how mark Cranach, center fielder traded from the braves to the yankees triple a to double a leading the league in home runs we can talk about that some other time but uh, it does bring up baseball, which started yesterday, college baseball, Nebraska down in um, Arlington, down in the Dallas area. And uh, three games played <laughs> Baylor yesterday, Texas Tech today, tomorrow, Oklahoma. And Gary, we really didn't know coming into this year, like what is, and I feel you, Gary, Gary's having a coffin attack. I was down for the count on Wednesday, man. I don't know if like, are you just now feeling this, Gary? If so, dude. No, I some went down the wrong pipe. I'm good. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> I was down for the count Wednesday. So if you need a pinch hitter at the at the game tonight, you let me know. I haven't done play by play in a while. I don't know the roster really well. <laughs> but if you are down for the count, I got you. Um you gotta, you gotta keep these on this time of year, you gotta keep these things on deck. Have you yeah, in the studio at yeah. all times. No, sir, I was like knocked out, dude. I, I just like slept. It was crazy. But anyways, yesterday we didn't really know how the how the pitching staff and it's still going to round into shape. We don't know for sure. But a bit of a surprise, Brett Sears, the senior, draws the you know the equivalent of the Friday night start, right? Yep. Um, and performs really well. The, 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 when you look at the box score, the thing that jumped out to me the most is this already the Childress impact. Nebraska walked nobody yesterday. Like, yep. the, the whole stat... That doesn't, ha- I, I can't, that doesn't happen a lot, right? Like, I can't think of when three pitchers combined to not walk a soul and they no, win or, it four to one. That's, four. that is Rob Childress. That's, if you're going to pitch for Rob Childress, you're going to miss bats, you're going to throw strikes, you're going to work quickly, um, and you're going to be smart in your approach. And all of those things come together. I mean, for the opening game, and there were, you know, a lot of strikeouts in the game, for the opening game, um, I thought it was one of the best pitched Nebraska games I've seen for opening day. Remember, Will on opening weekends is five nine and one, um, so it is it is definitely the Rob Childress effect. Because look at Drew Christo came and met the media at the beginning of camp, and we thought, okay, Drew will be the Friday guy, and Drew had a great summer. It's now now or never for Drew Christo, and I keep telling people, man, I saw him at Elkhorn High. His stuff was electric, but he hasn't had any consistency. So instead of just rolling him out there and going, okay, let's just hope he can make it through opening day, Rob Childress says, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that to us. We're not going to do it to you. We're going to bring you out of the bullpen because you're struggling right now in, in February in missing bats and throwing strikes consistently. That's not who I am. And so Brett Sears, who had a great summer, has been that guy and was that guy yesterday. And, I mean, what a relief. For a program that lost their two weekend starters, if you could find a Friday, a solid Friday night guy, and I think the rotation will be in flux a little bit, uh, and that's not a bad word. It's like trying to figure out, you know, over the next couple of weeks. But you're right. You're spot on, Mark. That's Rob Childress 101 yesterday with their pitching staff. And then you come out of the bullpen and you throw strikes and you don't mess around. How many times last year did we see guys come out of the bullpen and they dinked and they wouldn't throw the ball across the plate? They wouldn't trust their stuff. And then they tried to get too cute, and they were walking guys, and all of a sudden uh, balls were being crushed. Yeah, that's – Will Will has taken the attention off himself, and it's on Rob Childers, who 
I've said this for a long time. Of all of the coaches, head coaches, assistant coaches, Rob Childress's Q rating is probably remain the highest of anybody that has been here and left because we always associate Rob Childress with College World Series. He was the pitching coach for three College World Series teams. We don't really ever go, man, Rob's not that good as a pitching coach. We always say, Rob can get it done. And it's one game, but boy, that's a great start and a great sign for your Friday night guy. Conspiracy theory? Sorry, Chris. I have to ask this because Gary was up in this mix, and then we'll move on. Conspiracy theory. Did Bill Byrne hire Mike Anderson knowing he was taking the A&M job and knowing he was going to take Childress? <laughs> no. Did that happen? No. He co- no. They, Are you sure? They, they co-managed, and I think he he recognized Rob was the guy to go with him to A&M. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, this story has been told, uh, and this was told to me by Bill and Rob. Bill Byrne approached Rob Childers first. And Rob said, no, Mike is your guy. Mike has been here longer. Loyalty. Okay. Okay. Thank but you for Rob clearing was, that up. But, but Rob was approached first. Mm-hmm. Tinfoil hat removed. Thank you, Gary. Okay. I want to go to uh, back to the starting pitching. And well, okay. when, we, when, when we look at Sears, Sears kind of toiled Gary last year as, yep. as a guy out of the bullpen. And from a comfort standpoint, he came from from Western Illinois as uh, a guy that was a starter. Did 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 he prove starter worthy because of the offseason, or did Nebraska recognize that? Listen, he's more comfortable as a starter. He's got the talent. He's had it, but you got to see it on display yesterday in that starting rotation. Yeah, you know what? He might have been that way last year. He just didn't. There wasn't a, there wasn't a, a place for him to step up. Um, and, you know, even in midweek, they liked him more out of the bullpen. So yeah. I think it's just he had a, an opportunity. They're looking for starters. He went to summer ball. Here's another thing that Rob – and I've been around Rob for a long time. Rob is very good at communicating to his pitchers what he needs out of them. And what they did in the summer is when they sent Brett Sears up to the Northwoods League, they said, first of all, they weren't going to send him to that particular team if he wasn't going to start. And so they said, we need you to start not extend your arm and, and inning after inning and just eat innings up during the summer, but we need you to start games, okay? Not come out of the bullpen when there's a dirty inning going on. And so he went with that mindset, and so he developed that. So when he came back to campus in the fall, he was one of their best pitchers. I mean, it's not, it's not really a surprise that he is one of the weekend starters um, and becoming the Friday starter because he's had that mentality. He just didn't – there weren't spots for him last year. Gotcha. But look at here's what's different is they have openings – because of people that have left the program, um, now you're going to see him at a, a higher level. Remember last year in the Big Ten tournament, Will Walsh? Yeah. The way yeah. he pitched and you went, whoa, where has that been? Well, now there's an opportunity for him because you're looking for starters, and he's going to get his opportunity this weekend. So Rob does a really good job of communication, man. I will tell you, after seeing that for a long time firsthand, he's hard on guys. I mean, he, he rides guys because he has a huge expectation level. But if you meet that expectation level – you're talking the same language with Rob. And, man, you can live in the same world. And if you do, you have outings like Brett Sears, who's going to get another opportunity. Or if you come out of the bullpen and you do what is asked of you, sometimes you might throw the ball over the plate because you're trying to throw strikes and a guy hits it 460 feet. But as long as you're doing your job, you're going to get an opportunity to continue to do your job. And I think, I think the communication this year from pitching coach to what is expected – is going to be much better and will help some guys that were probably on milk cartons in the last couple sure. of years. Who goes today? Who's who's going today? Is it Walsh? Uh, it's Clark today, I believe. Right. I know. Kay- yeah. I think he's Sunday. Caleb Clark. Which okay. Man, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's Walsh today. Okay, then it's Walsh today. Clark tomorrow. Yeah. So Clark, speaking of Childress and kind of you know how he rolls. Uh, let's rewind to Clark where a lot of the talk going into the year was Clark might've ascended to be the top guy, right? Like going into the year, it's like, wow, this freshman is really taking command, taking control. And then he gets in the games and he just got shelled. Well, I don't know exactly what it was, but he, he, he fell out of favor really quick. Is he the type of guy too? you know, he obviously has the raw tools. If he was able to ascend to, potentially being your top guy as a true freshman, but then it fell apart. Is that a guy that also 
is sort of like tailor-made for someone like Childress? Well, I, I think yes, and I think it's a little bit about Clark. So last year, you know, he showed up as a freshman, and he had a lot on his resume, and we went, whoa. He, guys, he got, to, he got through high school by throwing a pitch and a half, and he could dominate high school hitters. He got to college, and kind of like Drew Christo did his first fall in Lincoln, got reminded that college hitters are a little bit better than your one through nine high school lineup. And so you get exposed. (laughs) And so the thing with Dylan last year is he only had one and a half pitches. He had no confidence in that half pitch. Four seamer and a change or something? Yeah, so he could throw his fastball, but he had no confidence in the other pitch, and he got lit up like a monkey. And so his first three (laughs) starts, you remember, they were like, "Uh, this ain't working out. He got relegated to the bullpen and then kind of disappeared. So Rob watched that. And he knew that you, you need this kid in your rotation. We got to work with him. He's going to take the mound today, and he's going to have three pitches that he has confidence in. And that goes a long way because you don't have to just rely on your fastball. Again, Rob is a great communicator. He's also a great observer. He can see if mechanics are wrong right away, or he thinks like his pitchers, which I think is huge for great pitching coaches, college, high school pros. If they think like their pitcher – they're in a great spot, and Rob does that. So Clark is one to watch today on his development because he'll throw three pitches. He'll throw three pitches for strikes, and you'll be like, where was that at? Well, he grew up in the college game, and now someone's making sure that you need to throw strikes. You know, you can't just have a fastball in college baseball, or that fastball is going to be sitting in the bleachers as a souvenir. Hmm. Now, a guy I'm, I'm curious if we see this weekend, I don't know how to put this in the, 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 the conversation well, it's just a piece of research that I did that I want to bring light to. Jackson Brockett. Be curious if we see him coming out of the bullpen because they played around with him as a starter last year. He made something just under 20 appearances, I think like eight starts. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but they played around with it. Sounds like he's back to a bullpen. And it should be noted, this Husker uh, pitching staff, especially the starters, are going to kind of be in flux until you start Big Ten play. They're going to play around with some things. Yeah. So we'll see who the, the the three weekend starters are by the time like mid to late March rolls around. But Jackson Brockett, you guys know, he also went to Buford High School in Georgia. There's your fun fact of the day. Nebraska's had a real oh. pipeline going there from uh, Gabe Irvin, uh, along with Anthony Grant, Anthony Grant, Dylan Riola, and now Jackson Brockett on the baseball team, also went to Buford High in Georgia. How about can that? we queue up Ray Charles? I mean, just can we just play a little Ray? Sharpie, I want to go to go to basketball here and uh, get your thoughts on uh, Penn State, Nebraska today, and just overall your your confidence level. Where is the Iron Horse Gary Sharp putting his poker chips here on Nebraska? And these uh, final seven, this stretch run. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the bad sports talk radio guy. I think it's important just for Nebraska to focus on today. We can do that as fans because we're we're doing the math. Okay, if they go four and two, if two of those are road games, that's going to get them in the tournament. As long as they don't have a bad performance in Minneapolis. But here's the thing that will be interesting for Nebraska that they have not encountered this since Hoiberg's been the head coach. Any loss from here on out is a bad loss for Nebraska. It submarines their resume. Because it all of a sudden you go, oh, bubble, that's a bad loss. Every loss from here on out is a bad loss, even if Nebraska has struggled on the road or they're going to face a team today that, you know, they're going to get after you and they play a really unorthodox physical style. They whine a lot. I mean, Penn State complains a lot. But, man, they when they're, when they're going – they will guard you, and they will make it a really, really physical basketball game. And the next thing you know, you turn it over, and it ends up at the other end in buckets. I think it's important for Nebraska, first of all, a good start today. They haven't played for a week. Um, a good start today, and they play with the energy that they played against Michigan. I don't expect them to throw a knockout punch right away. But play with energy, play smart, try and match Penn State's physicality, and then use Pinnacle Bank Arena to your advantage. Um, if you can, because it's going to be 11 a.m. It could be a little bit sleepy, but fans haven't seen basketball in a week. But Nebraska needs, needs to take one game at a time um, because you'll hear it. Every loss is a bad loss. And these guys have never experienced that since they've been at Nebraska. Um, but, you know, you disappear for a week and you really don't also have on your resume. There's going to be bubble teams that are in your neighborhood of that 10 or 11 seed. A lot of those teams have games upcoming where it's a good win if they get it. Nebraska really doesn't for 
the bracketologists out there have a good win. They might have a they have a couple of good wins for Nebraska, but not if you're looking at a bracket. But I think Nebraska is still in that ten to eleven range. Um, they just can't play themselves out of the tournament. The, the Wisconsin and Purdue wins, the Sparty win. Those Nebraska got their work done earlier in the season, so there's no recency with a wow win. You're right. Yeah. So is is you know the whole body of work is. Nebraska is in that conversation with about anybody, but they can't be this sore thumb as a, well, everybody sucks on the road this year. Great. But you can't be the worst of the worst (laughs) without a a road win. Well, uh, you conference. So you, you know, I mean, go ahead and uh, I'll let you guys do the math on how many teams have not won a road game in conference and gone to the NCAA tournament. I'll just wait for your answer. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's thin. I mean, you go down the list of teams that had one road win and two road wins. Uh, uh, homeboy from the World Herald wrote about it. Um, That'd be Wilson. Quick. Wilson, yeah. I, I, I've i not had a chance to meet him. Wilson's <laughs> good stuff. Homeboy. <laughs> homeboy from the World Herald. That's my, he's my favorite writer. <laughs> Charles Homeboy is the best. Yeah. <laughs> when I see when I see him today, I'll be like, "What's up, Homeboy?" Mister like, Mister Wilson. So you going to going to yeah. Penn State? Are you nice, nice young kid who's from graduate of Mizzou from, and Missouri? Yeah, he's a Mizzou guy. Homeboy. Homeboy from sixteen twenty joining us this morning on uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the Iron Horse. Be, you know, the <laughs> Iron <laughs> Homeboy. But you yeah. know, like a bracket matrix um, has Nebraska still as an eleven seed. And they are in 103 of the brackets. So they're, they're an NCAA tournament team. It's just, it gets kind of interesting as you watch the pieces around you move. You can only move by winning. You're not going to like all of a sudden get a big win and move up. You can go down. So it's, it's how Hoiberg handles it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, I think, guys, if Nebraska is really, really sleepy today out of the start of an 11 a.m. game, Bad. I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little yeah. bit worried because – Penn State's a team as 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 the, the the games where they've been competitive against the upper tier of the Big Ten, they just kind of hung around. You know, you've never been able to put them away because they they crash the glass and they press you and they turn you over. But if you're able to, you know, get a little separation early, I like Nebraska today. Kanye Clary, he's their leading scorer. He's still out, which uh, at least according to the availability report today, yeah. which is going to help Nebraska a lot. Yeah. He's a 17 point a game guy. Um, so that'll be helpful. But your road games, you're at Indiana, you're at Ohio State, you're at Michigan. Man, I, there's no game on the on the on the schedule where no. you're like, oh, Nebraska is counted out there. Well, you have two of those Steps. games. You never know what you're getting at the end of the regular season when you go to Ann Arbor. Will that be it for Juwan Howard? We don't know what you're going to get in Columbus on the 29th because of. Chris Holtman not being there, but I think yep. Ohio State will get a little bit of a boost of your plan for a new coach and you'll play hard because you, now you got to put some stuff on tape for the portal. Um, I think, I honestly, in my opinion, the matchups are everything. I think the three toughest games left for Nebraska are Rutgers, Minnesota, and a trip to Assembly Hall. Rutgers because of athleticism in the post. They're and, playing well. And they will beat the crap out of you. Plus, yep. they've won four in a row. Now, now, they still have a trip to Mackey, and they still have a trip to Minnesota before they play in Lincoln. But in their four-game winning streak, they have yet to give up more than 60 points in a game. I mean, that's amazing in today's college basketball. And then Minnesota, I, I, am, I am impressed by Ben Johnson. Look yeah. at what they did against Purdue. They, they ran out of gas late, but they were in that game until ah, about five, six minutes to go in West Lafayette the other night. And they still got Dawson Garcia. And they're, mm-hmm. they're thinking – man, could we make a late run to the tournament or at least get a good seed playing in our hometown in the Big Ten tournament? And then Assembly Hall, you never know what you're going to get out of Indiana. Yeah, is, is one of the keys here, I, I, feel like, I feel like Rink Mass has come around since he got posterized and embarrassed on the road. He's, he's played just a very different brand of basketball overall. Jawan Gary being healthy. He's a barometer. And then, and then Jos- Josiah Alec finally – um, kind of playing up to maybe like what his promise was all along. I mean, he's a Rodman type, right? He's just that's that's going to be his value Effort to the energy. team. Yeah, 
effort energy guy. He looks kind of awkward when he scores, but you know, if it goes in great, uh, I, it feels like Gary and Alec in particular, if Nebraska is going to make this run, they, they have to take it up a notch in and around the post. What, what would you say is Nebraska's that to me, that's Nebraska's key to go from bubble to in those two guys. They're, they're good now, but I think they almost need to find even another gear because Nebraska needs it that much. Well, I think, they, glass. I think they need to find a way for Juwan Gary to be on the floor more than he's been on the floor. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are times where, I mean, it's, it's pretty evident when he's not on the floor that Nebraska misses him. I will tell you this. I, 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 you know, we all know that Mast is you know, maybe the most important guy for Nebraska when you lead in points, rebounds, and, and assists. I think Rink Mast passing the basketball will be the key in the last six games he from that high post. Out. He against Rutgers, there were opportunities for him to get rid of the basketball and run the play that was called. And he didn't, or he was late throwing the ball and it ended in a turnover or it ended up in a, in a bad possession, man. I saw rink mast out of the high post, be able to be a facilitator passing the basketball, which also helped him. I think that's a huge key for Nebraska is that they're passing the ball they, they spread the floor, and they open up some opportunities. When they pass the ball well and they share the sugar, that's when Tomonaga tries, finds a spot where he's open and, boom, the ball is up in the air. Sharpie uh, and Gary Sharp with us, a weekend edition at Hale Varsity. I want to kind of wind down and get your take here on what you believe with Creighton, with Mac, with Ohio State, and kind of – you know, Coach McDermott, the, you're talking? The, yeah, the short list. I know we're, we're a, kind of a Nebraska show, but I love the carousel. I love kind of yeah. seeing what's up with that and uh, the Ohio State job uh, as a whole. I mean, they've been to a lot of Final Fours the last 25 years. They've also punted coaches that didn't do that about every every other year, it felt like. you know. Well, I mean, they, they, I, I, you know, here's the thing. Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan, look at their postseason success since 2016. Very much in there. Michigan went to the Elite Eight not too long ago. The rest have been – it's been a dry uh, January, February, (laughs) March, April. Um, It's it's a job where could it be Alabama? You know, Alabama is this mega football power that did put some money into basketball and made a hire that has worked out in Nate Oates. If they dedicate resources to basketball, which they already do, I think it's a good job. It's just – you know, Chris Holtman is one of those nice guys that everybody likes in the business, but knew at the end was near. It got really stale. Butts and seats were not there. Um, so I think it's a good job. It's got an NBA arena that you play in. It's the Ohio State. If they commit resources to basketball, um, then it becomes a really good job. The main key in this pursuit, and Greg McDermott, his name should be attached. He's a, he's a guy that's one of the better coaches in the country, and you're looking for an offensive coach? You're calling the 402. But the biggest thing here, why Mac is drawn into this, is Ted Carter is running the show. Yeah. What did Ted hmm. Carter do? Where did he live? He lived in the state of Nebraska. Ted Carter loves sports. He was keenly aware that that program in Omaha, downtown Omaha, is really, really good. Hmm. And so I, and, I, you know, I, but, but I also expect, and, and, and it doesn't mean just because you're pursued that you're going to take the job. I expect Mac you know, to be a popular guy in the offseason because Arizona State could open up. There's another one. I mean, if you're a good athletic director, you've got a top-level tier that you're going to approach, and Max should be on that if you're Ohio State. But there's also Sean Miller, Lamont Paris, um, you know, maybe Nate Oates because he's been in football school. I look at Mick, Mick Cronin, get the hell out yep. of UCLA, which is weird. Yep. And then I think the guy I really like, and I know he's older, but he kicked ass, is, is Beeline. He wants back in clearly. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't do in places like Omaha and Columbia, South Carolina, and wherever else in Cincinnati with Sean Miller. It doesn't do you any favors when a job where your name is attached to fires their coach before Valentine's Day. Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of noise between now and then. And how do you deal with? Yep. What, sure. what do you think McDermott's motivation is? Though? I mean, because look, in the past, Creighton's considered a mid-major, but not anymore. You know, it's Big East high major. Um, what is his motivation? Do you think he's, do you think he's intrigued by, is is he chasing a check? Is he getting along with his I think it's, I think it's right respect. Now? It's got to be respect level. Yeah. My, well, my, you know, we don't know. He's, he's going to be 59 in November. 
He has not paid as much as Hoiberg is, and it's not like Hoiberg is at the oh, top wow. of the food chain in the in the Big Ten. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of things. You're at the you're, you're towards the end of your career. Do you want one more run at it at it at a Power Five football school, or are you, you know, you're happy with what you've built here at Creighton? I don't know. We 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 don't know that exactly of what Mac wants. Um, you know, they've they've got an opportunity to finish this year strong, but then look at next year. I mean, they're going to lose a big three. Uh, so we'll see. But Elijah's right. I saw what Elijah was doing. You know, guys want to be taken care of. They want to have some mm. security financially. And if, you know, that's what Mac wants, then a place like Ohio State can provide it because they've got TV money. That's the thing with basketball and the Big East Conference. If a Big Ten school comes calling or an SEC, they don't have that kind of TV money. We all in those mm. conferences do. Mm-hmm. It would make the Big Ten more interesting. You know, there aren't a ton of high-flying offenses in the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it Mac change is a, the dynamic. And Mac is a Midwestern fit for Columbus. Yeah. That's another appealing yeah. quality. But I think Ohio State will have uh, some uh, good opportunity to fill that role. I, I, I like Chris Holtman. It just the rise and fall of Chris Holtman was pretty fast. But they were stale. I mean, we watched him in Lincoln a couple of weeks ago, and there was just nothing there, and people stopped going to the games, and then you blew an 18-point lead to a mediocre Indiana team. The writing was on the wall. I was just really surprised they did it now instead of waiting to the end of the year. Something, some, they, they must have been like, wow, nobody's coming to the games. Boosters are knocking on the door, and they're irate. we got to make a move. Sharpie, have yourself a weekend, man. Appreciate hey, you great, jumping this in. This is a great day of basketball. we got college baseball going on. I mean, you we guys got, didn't even bring up that uh, the got, Chiefs won the Super Bowl. We got Tottenham Wolves going right now. Some 9 a.m. Oh, Premier League start. I'm, I'm glad I'm recording that because I got to go to Lincoln and watch basketball today. I'll come home later tonight and watch it. Nice. <laughs> that, that, Sharpie, that, are you that, going that, red that, beer, that, Bloody Mary, Irish coffee? What What is your uh, poison of choice here pre-11 a.m. for basketball? Uh, you know what? I'm supporting my guys at Cross Drain. I will probably go with the Cornhead Lager. Nice. nice. The little the NIL beer mm. from Nebraska. That, that, seems like an, that seems like an 11 a.m. That tastes good. Yeah. May I also recommend Cross Train? I will find their, out. Their fairy Nectar. They don't pay for the shout-outs on that, but, man, that's a good beer. Yeah. Dr. Rob and, yeah. and Fairy Nectar. They are, I've never heard of Fairy right. Nectar. Is it very popular? I've never seen it. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, quick question. Quick question on the way. Is that Nebraska's best chance at the Boulevard equivalent? Right, like Kansas City struck gold with Boulevard Wheat that totally transformed uh, that entire company. It's a it's a regional powerhouse. What is Nebraska's best chance to break through? I think it is Fairy Nectar. I think it's Fairy Nectar is good. Power. I think our friends at Zipline and Copper all Copper are, are money. But Cornhead Lager. If you had to pick one beer that could break through and end up on taps in Springfield, Missouri. You've read, okay, Nebraska, right? Nebraska Brewing Company, the Cardinal Pale Ale is fire as well. That's a great beer. I'll be straight with you. Aside from uh, our lovable sponsor, Cornhead Lager, and we do love you, I'm more of a, a, a whiskey guy. I mean, I just drink whiskey now. <laughs> yeah, right. Old man. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not wearing your smoking jacket. Oh, but yeah. if you had to pick one beer that's going to break through, what are y'all picking? One beer that's going to break through and represent Nebraska and take the craft beer world by storm, at least in the Midwest. I, I think Fairy Nectar is your best yeah, shot. Fairy Nectar is a unique beer. Mm. Like Vanilla yeah. Bean Blonde is really popular that's, in Omaha. That's money. Yeah, but it's that's good. But it, there's probably other ones that are out there. I think Fairy Nectar is your one. There's so yeah. many good ones to choose from. And I don't want to leave any off the list. I love Kincader and their Snow Beast. The Snow Beast is great. Oh, Snow Beast is awesome. Nebraska that Brewing is- Company with the Cardinal Pale Ale, fantastic. Zipline yeah. with the Copper Alts, great. Cross Drain with the Fairy Nectar. So Why don't we ever drink on this show? That is a great point, Gary. Oh, like, I'm so glad you brought this up. You know what? Uh, uh, I I would get up, but I'm not wearing pants. Um, I would go yeah. and get <laughs> Cornhead Lager. <laughs> Just being honest, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're spared the puppet show Thank you. yeah that 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 camera hits you at the wrong spot uh-huh. uh hey. i'd say the number one reason why i don't drink on this show is some of us have things they want to get done on a saturday and they don't want to completely derail that at 7 45 in the morning but hey maybe like if it's a one-off thing hey some of That's- us are pros you're a rookie i get it <laughs> totally yeah. so much so much just like having a little bit more fun 
<laughs> Makes you a little more dangerous and entertaining. <laughs> hey, what do you think, Krennic, uh Ryan Blaney, is he going to go back-to-back? Are you talking in uh, NASCAR? No, I'm talking about your shirt. Uh, so, so, okay. So, I'll carry uh, the story of this. You're either golfing or you're uh, you're headed to Daytona after this uh, segment. No, this is great, actually. So, so we have a shirt. Do you um, know the story behind the shirt, Gary? We'll we'll, we'll tell no. the story again, and we kind of oh. laid it out for the stream listeners earlier, but we'll reset it. So if you're just joining okay, us, this is something. Is authentic. This is legit. That is race worn from the crew team of Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who won the Daytona 500 a year ago back in 2023. He's starting in uh, in P35 here this Sunday. Started P32 last year. Won it all. Anyway, Ricky Stenhouse is no longer sponsored by Kleenex, so our listener Eric, who works on Ricky Stenhouse's crew, as we were talking He's about in get, stream. getting a sponsorship shirt, he was listening and said, hey, I got an old crew shirt. If you guys want it, I'll awesome. send it your way. So, so that awesome. is an authentic crew-worn Ricky Stenhouse crew shirt. And uh, if I remember correctly, Eric's a mechanic on that team and is down in Daytona right now. And uh, he has since left the stream based on the schedule I've seen. There's some practice rounds going down today that I'm sure Eric is going to be busy on. So, Oh, that's fantastic. Eric, we tip, tip, your, tip our cap to you for sending that Appreciate shirt. Appreciate you, Eric. And that is awesome. So it is authentic. Oh, that is not some fan replica knockoff. That is authentic. That was worn down in the pits for a season of NASCAR. Isn't that crazy? Right? Kleenex is the main one. I'm just glad that isn't like super visible because those jokes write themselves. I'm just staying out of that. You know, I got Cottonelle over here too. Thomas bagels, Totino's drumsticks. I don't know. We just think it's a it's a way to you know attract sponsorship, and we're just trying to ex- explain to our listeners and business owners we can yeah. grow your business with something like this. Right? I like it. Well, yeah. I mean, we can all have stuff. We all wear hats. We can have our hats all. Yeah. Yeah. I've been saying yeah. that for a while. We need big hats for like sponsors. Mm-hmm. Like the Jim Carrey cowboy hat, big no, hat. No, you you've seen like the the people wear their stupid big hats, you know? They they yeah. look they look really dumb. It's like the big the ball caps that are just giant oversized. I think Brian Robinson made it famous down in the uh the the locker room for the the Redskins. He he had a friend who I, made him it it made him big. I think we we could also figure out a way to to each uh, bring our sponsor with us to our own little square, like Hollywood Squares. We have four of them. And we have an icon right above Gary's right shoulder that says uh, Templeton Rye. <laughs> yes, yes. Here, so, I, I, I got a picture of – here, let me pull up a picture of the big hats. And, Schmidt, we can get your take on this in, in terms of if this would be worth our while. Give me just one second. It's uploading. My take is um, – Unfortunately, a lot of Saturday mornings, I unwillingly. Oh my God! No. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. That's not Schmitty. No, no, no. that is off-brand Kanye West. That's who that is. <laughs> All right. Well. Jeez. Yeah, maybe we got to move on there. Okay. Yeah. That is not me. Sharpie, enjoy All your right. hoops today, buddy. Appreciate hey, thanks, you. guys. Great show as always. Always enjoy it. Uh, have a uh, great uh, weekend, and don't forget to uh, honor your favorite president on Monday. <laughs>